Registration for the DPP's presidential primary closed on Friday, with President, Vice President Lai Qingde as the only registrant in the race. Though he won't officially become the party's presidential nominee until April 12th, the DPP has already entered campaign mode. The DPP headquarters on Friday held a meeting between lawmakers and presidential office personnel to discuss ways to tackle cognitive warfare attacks from China and rival parties. Let's hear their thoughts. The more important thing is our future policies. I hope we can all use our little gray cells to come up with ways to convey them in simple terms that everyone can easily understand. We hope to launch a united attack, be it in engaging in policy debate, defending our position on certain issues, preventing smear campaigns, and fighting against cognitive warfare attacks. We all have an important role to play. Especially on some important issues, we shouldn't let them just be carried away by certain narratives. There are also some issues that we can lead the discussion on. Many of the party members in attendance are frequent guests on political talk shows. The DPP urged its elected representatives to further promote the DPP's policies through short videos online. The party officials formed a group chat online to coordinate upcoming campaigns. With the lifting of indoor mask mandates, Taiwan's National Mask Squad has completed its mission. On Friday, President Tsai Ing-wen visited a mask factory in Jilong to thank its workers for increasing the nation's mask capacity. She also mentioned that the government will invest 11 billion NT in a post-pandemic special budget to assist small and medium-sized businesses transform toward low-carbon and smart operations. Accompanied by Taiwan Financial Holdings Chairman Shen Rongjin and others, President Tsai Ing-wen visited a company within the National Mask Squad in Jilong and signed her autograph on a face mask print. At the time, everyone rushed to start work during the Lunar New Year Festival. It was really hard work. Thank you everyone for your wholehearted dedication to the nation's people. President Tsai personally thanked the squad for their efforts to increase the nation's epidemic prevention capacity during the pandemic. They were able to smoothly increase their production lines from four to a current 40. Their record was producing one million masks in a day, which were then supplied to the government. In 2020, Shen Rongjin gave us a call and invited us to join the national squad and we couldn't wait to join. Under the guidance of Shen, the National Mask Squad gradually formed. Now that their initial mission in Taiwan is over, they continue making customised masks for the world, exporting to Japan, South Korea and other Asian countries. Made in Taiwan masks have become famous internationally. Tsai's next stop was to Itai Enterprises where she praised the design of bathroom fittings for older adults. There she announced that a special budget of 11 billion NT will be available to help with the transformation of small and medium enterprises. In addition to helping companies recover after the pandemic, we will also allocate resources to assist our industries and small and medium enterprises to be low carbon and smart. 
Thank you very much to the Ministry of Economic Affairs for their guidance 15 years ago in transforming our traditional industries. The company is transformed into a tourist factory showing off the history of bathrooms and has otherwise diversified its operations. With the strong support from government, Taiwan's small and medium enterprises can operate sustainably. Yokochi Akira, Japan's deputy de facto ambassador to Taiwan, will leave his post at the end of the month. He got a rousing send-off at the legislative yuan on Friday after he gave a speech speaking not Mandarin but Taiwanese. Yokochi said he would really like to work at another post in Taiwan in the future, but there were too many other Japanese diplomats lining up for the job. On Friday, the Legislative UN inaugurated the Taiwan and Trans-Pacific Clean Energy Parliamentary Alliance, aimed at heightening Taiwan's international influence. We in Taiwan are not mere pawns. We are a key player in this crucial game. Ruling party and opposition lawmakers appeared together as they promoted exchanges between industry, government and academia. At the inauguration, there was also a special guest, none other than Yokochi Akira, the deputy representative of the Japan-Taiwan Exchange Foundation. Yokochi Akira gave this speech in Taiwanese, which always makes him the main focus of attention. This time he made an important announcement, saying that he will soon return to Japan. I recently received a transfer order from my country. It's a real pity that I will have to leave Taipei and return to Tokyo at the end of March. Lawmakers said they were sad to see a good Japanese friend who has been in Taiwan for more than two and a half years go home. His understanding of Taiwan will be of assistance in getting Taiwan and Japan to be even closer in the future. Of course, it is a pity that I have to leave Taipei and go back to Tokyo now. However, I strongly hope that I will have the opportunity to come to Taiwan again in the future. There are many people lining up behind me and in front of me, all wanting to work in Taiwan. Even though he's leaving for Japan at the end of the month, Yokochi said he would continue to practice Taiwanese, to become more fluent for when they next meet again. Electricity prices are going up starting April 1st. Rates will go up by an average of 11%, but not for everyone. Due to inflation, the rates will remain the same for residential users who consume less than 700 kilowatt hours per month and small businesses that consume less than 1,500. That's about 93% of residential users and 84% of small businesses. Rates will also remain unchanged for farmers, fishers and schools. Rates will go up by 3% for residential users that consume between 701 and 1,000 kilowatt hours per month and for small businesses that consume between 1,500 and 3,000. Anything above those thresholds will result in a hike of 10% for residential users and 5% for commercial users. The biggest rate hike will be for high voltage and ultra high voltage users at 17%. 
The rate hike is expected to add 60 billion NT of income for Thai power, which has a total of 500 billion NT in accumulated losses. To bring Taiwan sports and fitness technology to an international audience this spring, Sports and Fitness Taiwan will have 800 stalls with a wealth of innovative technology to tap into the global sports market. One of the top products is a computer program that connects to fitness machines to adjust the difficulty of the workout in real time to suit the user. Another is a stationary bike that helps older users train their hand-eye coordination. This bodybuilder is no stranger to heavy weights, but as he's putting in the reps, a computer is conducting a mechanical analysis, and the more force he applies, the more resistance the machine gives back. My muscles feel pretty sore, and I'm quite tired. It seems to increase the weight by itself, so you don't have to go and add extra plates yourself. It's not just the lat pull-down and the leg press. All these machines can use a training technology to create customized muscle building for users. A woman runs on a treadmill, but she's watching the streets of Taroko speed past. The machine connects to a tablet to take the user to a scenic landscape for the workout, as well as recording all the user's stats. Your running speed and the incline of the run can be easily adjusted with this gyro wheel. And this machine is tailor-made for older adults. You push forward with the hands but pedal back with the feet, improving hand-eye coordination. A research institution found the global fitness market to be worth more than 500 billion U.S. dollars last year. By 2026, it will exceed 700 billion U.S. dollars. The compound annual growth rate is 9%, so it has endless growth potential. On March 22nd, the Taiwan External Trade Development Council will host the Sports and Fitness Taiwan Trade Fair. A total of 43 companies will present at 800 stalls in the hope of bringing Taiwanese sports technology to the world. With Lai Qingde set to become the DPP's presidential nominee, the party will open up registration next week for the legislative elections. Originally, the party had considered to not put forward any nominees for Taipei's Zhongzhen Wanhua constituency, which has been represented since 2016 by independent lawmaker Freddie Lim. But that is set to change, as Lim announced on Friday that he won't be running for re-election in 2024. Let's hear what he has to say. It's because of something that happened this Monday, related to a relative of mine who is not in good health and was diagnosed with a rare disease more than two years ago. There's been regular checkups since, but the results from a checkup this Monday were not as good as we had hoped. So this week I mulled it over. I would like to thank the party's senior election officials and I hope that there will also be an opportunity for me to return. This is a major decision, however, and for now, I have decided to slow down and spend more time with my family. With Lim out of the picture, who will take over the constituency? Some reports say it could be legislator-at-large Ling Chuying, but she has made it clear that she is not planning on running. Another person who has turned down the bid is Taipei City Councilor Wang Shijian, who says he will absolutely not run in that race. 
So far, it seems like the only one willing to take the baton is Taipei City Councilor Liu Yaoren, who says he'll run if necessary. The biggest statue of Chiang Kai-shek in Yilan is set to be removed from its current location outside Suao Township office. Local officials say there are plans to renovate the plaza outside the office and that the seven-meter-tall statue has to go. Though the current proposal is to get it removed to Taoyuan's Cihu Park, renovation work at the latter means the statue will stay in Yilan for at least some time. The largest statue of Chiang Kai-shek in Yilan is located in the plaza just outside Suao Township office. The local government recently announced plans to redesign the space, and one of the key elements is the removal of the statue to promote transitional justice. But not everyone agrees with the plan. The statue is a local landmark. On New Year's Day, Many people come here from Taipei to take part in the flag-raising ceremony. They take commemorative pictures here. The township office plans to add a playground to the park, but the statue takes up too much space. And nowadays, public offices don't have statues like that. The statue depicting Chiang riding a horse was erected in 1982. The statue itself is 250 centimeters tall and weighs about 500 kilograms. Its pedestal is 450 centimeters tall, making for a total height of 7 meters. Back in 2005, the statue was pulled down by vandals, and a few years later in 2019, it was covered in graffiti with anti-Chiang messages. With so much controversy surrounding the effigy and its relocation, the local township office is asking locals to listen to reason. We once wrote to the county government, saying that we hoped the statue could be relocated to the military cemetery, but they said there wasn't enough space. We've also contacted the Taoyuan city government about moving it to Cihu Park. The Yilan County government says there is no space in its cemetery, and Taoyuan's Cihu Park is under renovations and can't currently take in a new statue. The township head says he will wait for construction to wrap up in Cihu, as he hopes the statue will be relocated there in the future. The founder of United Microelectronics Corporation, Robert Tsao, announced Friday the launch of his Taiwan Civil Liberties Union. The group aims to garner support from the general public to promote judicial reform. Some of the key proposals include reclassifying some crimes as civil cases and introducing juries to mitigate abuses of power by judges and prosecutors. They shout out, urging the government to walk the talk in judicial reform. At the center of it is UMC founder Robert Tsao, who on Friday launched the Taiwan Civil Liberties Union. In the past, judicial reform was useless because it was all from the top down. And every time there were meetings on the matter, the government gave no assurances on how much to change. It was all discussions without a conclusion, no action. But starting today, we will gather power to promote judicial reform from the bottom up. We'll collect opinions to reform the judiciary in a system we are satisfied with. 
Cao says Taiwan's judicial system is too slow, resulting in a growing mountain of unprocessed cases. He says a scientific approach can help improve the system's efficiency. The union proposes four major changes. The first one is to not allow appeals from prosecutors in cases where they've lost their first trial. The second is to put more focus on specialization and division of labor, handing over investigations of small crimes to the police so that prosecutors can focus on court affairs. The third is to decriminalize some crimes or to reclassify them as civil cases. The fourth and last is to introduce juries to crack down on judges and prosecutors who abuse their power. Currently, defamation cases have to get criminal convictions on the first and second trials before they can be taken to civil court. God knows how many years the process can take. What's the use of that? So I think defamation should be decriminalised. It should be a matter solely for civil courts. There's a lot of people who defame others left and right for some gain or other. But if the punishments are heavy-handed, they won't do that anymore. Tsao hopes his union will bring together scholars, lawyers, lawmakers and the general public to truly promote judicial reform. And now some good news from a Taiwanese breeding program for crabs. A baby sponge crab has successfully grown to maturity at the National Museum of Marine Science and Technology. The baby crab hatched in December along with tens of thousands of siblings, but very few sponge crabs make it to maturity. Conservation experts are delighted to see one make it successfully into life in a first for Taiwanese species recovery projects. We head now to the museum to meet the little crab as well as some of its underwater friends. This fluffy baby sponge crab is tiny, but it's carrying something on its back. They carry these heavy things on their backs to camouflage themselves. It's so small, but it's got a sponge on its back. When it's grown bigger, it will carry a shell. This species of sponge crab has the scientific name Loridromia dehani. It's also known as the weightlifter of the sea. This little baby was born in December as part of a painstaking species recovery program at the National Museum of Marine Science and Technology. The chances of a sponge crab fertilized by artificial methods to successfully hatch and grow into an adult crab are 1 in 10,000. We probably had several tens of thousands of crabs that hatched in mid-December. But that number went down through the maturing process, and in the end we have been very lucky to successfully breed one crab. The museum is also working hard to breed clownfish and horseshoe crabs from Jinmen, as well as this eye-catching beast. The scales all stick together, unlike most fish, which have separated scales. It's like a set of armor, giving protection. It has very prominent teeth, like an alligator. Pearly white all over, with scales and teeth more like a crocodile than a fish, this alligator gar is an aggressive invasive species in Taiwan. It's also known as a living fossil. We took this individual in for adoption. He was donated by a member of the public. It's a good species to exhibit as an example of an invasive species, and we can also protect it, study it, and use it for educational purposes. The museum is devoted to ecosystem restoration, as well as conserving many different types of sea creatures, providing opportunities for visitors to meet and study marine life, and bringing humans closer to the ocean. 
Many people nowadays are turning to recyclable tableware when getting food and beverages to go. But not all eco-friendly products are created equal. The Consumer Protection Committee recently found that 20 percent of 20 plant fiber-based tableware items on the market contain formaldehyde, a toxic chemical. The products have been recalled and destroyed. When buying drinks or meals to go, many people bring their own reusable cups and containers. The options seem to be endless. However, the Consumer Protection Committee warns that some such products have been found to contain carcinogens. There is demand for more and more diverse products, and products made from plant fibres have become very popular. We took a random sample of 20 such products in the market and found four of them did not comply with current regulations. The Consumer Protection Committee found formaldehyde in 20% of the plant fibre tableware products is surveyed, which included cups, bowls and chopsticks. Ingesting high levels of the substance has been associated with lung, liver and kidney damage, as well as a higher risk of miscarriage. The illegal products have been pulled down from shelves and destroyed, and their makers fined 30,000 to 70,000 NT. But it may be too late, as consumers may have already ingested the problematic chemical. When you open the packaging, if there is a plastic smell, you should air it out as fast as possible. Nine other products were also found to be mislabeled. Consumers are advised to check the labeling thoroughly for heat resistance ranges, manufacture date and materials used before making a purchase. If there are any problems with the product's quality, the buyer is entitled to a refund as per current regulations. The Commission advises customers to watch out for subpar eco-friendly tableware, reminding buyers that health is more important than saving a few cents.